and good to see you guys tonight. Uh, we're, we're continuing in our series, uh, Successfully Managing Seasons. Successfully managing. Why haven't I been using this? This sounds great. It's a new year, amen. Managing seasons. <laughs> the other one made me feel like I wasn't saying nothing, but anyway. All right, so let's get into this. Last week we had uh, citywide prayer, so we missed a week, but um, we're going to go ahead and uh, kind of pick up where we left off uh, last week and then get into some new things. So we're talking about successfully managing seasons, and so uh, the purpose of this uh, particular teaching series uh, is to give us strategies and revelation on how to profitably and favorably navigate through the seasons of life, okay? That's the purpose of this series. Uh, by the end of it, we'll be able to, to discern the season you're in, respond appropriately to those seasons, uh, pray appropriate seasonal prayers. How many know your prayer changes depending upon the season you're in? And we're going to see that later on. Uh, recognize and maximize opportunities, develop healthier relationships, all right? Life is seasonal. We started off by saying life is seasonal. Uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 22 uh, tells us that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So life is seasonal, all right? Uh, last week, the purpose of uh, our class was to help us to understand the need to manage seasons. I know this was a few weeks ago, so I'm going to go over what we talked about. Uh, a season is, de is defined as a prescribed set of time or a duration of time. And the purpose of seasons, this is very important that we understand why God gives us seasons, is so that we can create the environment for God's purposes and design to be manifested and experienced. In other words, God uses seasons so that he can reveal more of himself to us and create the atmosphere and the environment for those things to take place, okay? We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. So each season has a purpose, characteristics, benefits uh, attached to them, all right? Each season has a purpose, and we looked at winter. Uh, we looked at winter, the cold weather, which is outside right now, uh, but the purpose of winter or some of the benefits and characteristics is that it reduces inflammation from a physiological standpoint. I said that word right, didn't I? Uh, it kills bugs <laughs> and burns more calories, supposedly, in the winter season. Uh, springtime, new life, earth is replenished, boosts our mental health, uh, vitamin D. Uh, the summer, less stress, better for your heart. We tend to be more social. And in the fall, brisk air is good for sleeping, and the relaxing colors of the nature are good for us uh, as well. All right? So revelation for every season will bring about correct responses. So once we understand the purpose of each season that we're in, we can respond accordingly and respond with the correct response. Okay? So this is very important. I said, I think last week I said, if you go outside thinking that, it is summertime in the dead of winter. It can cost you your health, right? So, so in other words, if we don't know the seasons that we're in, we can respond incorrectly, and it will cost us either money, life, health, influence, et cetera, and et cetera. All this is review. So again, if we treat winter like summer, it will jeopardize your health and your life, okay? Uh, Genesis chapter 1 
uh, verses 14. We looked at that, and we're going to look at that actually a little bit later. Uh, we don't turn to it now, but because we're going to come back to it. Uh, and then we looked at Luke chapter number 24, verses 1 through 12. Uh, and we saw that God really wanted us to understand and know our seasons. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, when the scripture talks about, by this time you ought to be teaching. <laughs> But you have to go back and look at the foundational things all over again because you are not progressing the way that you should be progressing. And then John chapter 1, verse 5 through 15. This is the famous story of the man who was by the pool for 38 years. And Jesus said, do you want to be whole? And what did he do? He made an excuse. I ain't got nobody to put me in. That's not what I asked you. I didn't ask you if you wanted me to roll you in the water. I asked you if you wanted to be made whole. So he was not discerning seasons. He was not discerning what God was doing in his life. John 9, chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Uh, Jesus said, the night comes when no man can work, but I must work the works of him who sent me while it is what? Day. So he understood the purpose of seasons. He understood the purpose of the day was to do what? Get work done. Okay? All this is review. So we need to manage it. So to... So, First of all, are there any questions before we get into new material? I'm really excited. I'm just kind of rushed through that, I know. All right, everybody understands. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> all right, so tonight we're going to be dealing with uh, going with the shift of a new season. So we talked about last week the need for managing it, but, but seasons are inevitable. And so we have to go with the shifting of new seasons, all right? So, Father, we thank you again for the review. Speak to us tonight. Help us in Jesus' name. All right. So we're going with the shift uh, in our new season. So I want to start off by uh, giving us some definitions that we, of course, have gone over before. But I want to start this class by reminding us that we all have a destiny. And that that destiny is simply the definition that we're using as a prescribed duration of events in your life. So, so that is to say there is a destiny that we all have, and we will reach our destiny once the Father has accomplished his will in our lives, okay? The origin of this word destiny literally means to make firm or to be established. Related words, destination, conclusion, determination, all these things speak of our, our, our destiny. Uh, but I like this definition. Uh, it is the established plan of God for your life. So when we understand destiny, we understand that God has an established thought or plan for your life. That is critically important that we embrace that, that whatever we deal with, whatever season of life we're in, we've got to know that God has a plan for it, Amen. that we're not here by accident, that we're not here by, uh, you, didn't, you know, you didn't sneak into the earth through the back door, <laughs> right? You, you know, your mother may not have known she was pregnant with you, but God knew. Right. So we need to embrace that. All right. Now, here's an empowerment key. Walking in the power of your destiny demands that you discern the declaration and the seasons over your life. I added a word in there. We talked about destiny last summer, if you recall, but I added a word in there. Walking in the power of your destiny demands that you discern that you're discerning the declarations and the seasons over your life. OK. That is to say, again, because we understand that we have a destiny, we have to discern the prophetic declarations that God has been speaking over our lives. We've got to also discern the seasons that we're in. For an example, 
Here is Jesus who, if you read the entire Old Testament, is hints of his coming, right? Genesis chapter 3 is the first prophecy of Jesus. He's the seed of a woman is going to bruise the heel of the serpent. That's the first prophecy of Jesus. And so if we understand that there is a word over our lives, then we now can begin to discern the season of life that we're in. For an example, think of Joseph, who God gave him a dream. You know, your brother's going to bow before you, et cetera, and et cetera, Right. But he went through a series of what we call unfortunate events. The pit, the palace, the prison. I mean, he went through hell in the process of getting to the prescribed place that God had for him. And so he had to be able to discern, listen, discern and look back over that prophetic word, that dream that God gave him and said, this is not my end. I, this, I, I know I'm in a pit right now, but this is not my end. This is not the dream that God gave me. <laughs> Go to the prison. This can't be my end either. Because this is not, I haven't seen my brothers bow to me yet. This is not what God showed me. So, so if we're going to walk in the power of destiny, because here's the trick. We get stuck in seasons. <laughs> and we don't know how to shift. We get stuck. And so well, I like to say it like this. Uh, we get caught in the black line. <laughs> You, you know what I'm talking about? You don't remember that? I don't know if I said it before. But think of a calendar, okay? Looks something like this. And so you're shifting, right? And so here's, you know, the first, second, third. But we get caught right here. <laughs> right in the black line. We're about to cross over. It's like 11.59 and a half, <laughs> You know, we get caught in the black line because we don't know how to discern what God is doing. Okay, this is going to make sense here in just a moment. All right. So let's keep going. I'm I'm getting excited. Let me calm down. Got a lot to do. So the power of prophetic declarations. Write this down. Number one. It releases a narrative over your life. It releases a narrative over your life. Whenever we look at the Old Testament, particularly uh, when fathers are blessing their sons, think of Isaac or Jacob and his 12 sons. When he was about to transition, what did he do? He called all the boys in the room. Hey, guys, listen, I'm about to I'm about to get out of here. Joseph shall be a fruitful bow. Reuben, you are unstable as water. Benj- or Judah, you should have your hand on the neck of your. So he began to prophesy and, and declare some things over the life of his sons. So when we receive a prophetic word in that declaration, what it does is it starts a narrative. It starts a, a, a story. It starts it starts a process. This is why it's so important to have a word over your life. It will keep you alive. Oh, I'm, ser- I'm so serious about this. Listen, 2012, and I think three of y'all remember. Th- <laughs> Take us back on you. Yeah. <laughs> 2012, Apostle Andrea Williams came and prophesied during our third year anniversary. We were at 2070. Stood up, Lady Lisa. Now, you remember that? She said, next year is going to try your souls. Ma'am, you could have kept that. <laughs> Because I don't know if you've spoken into existence or what. I don't know. But literally, that year was not fun at all. 
But you know what I did? I would go back and listen to that word because it kept me anchored. It didn't take away my feelings, <laughs> but it kept me anchored. It's like God knew this was going to come. And he loved me so much to tell me when I'm in the throes of it and I'm about to kick everybody's behind and throw it and be done with life. It kept me anchored. And that's why that's the importance. That's the power of a prophetic declaration is it initiates a narrative over your life. So because God is eternal, he already knows the end from the beginning He's alpha and omega. So if he if, if we're confident that he will perform what he started. Oh, Jesus. We got to keep going. Number two, it creates expectations. So, so when there is a word over your life, a prophetic declaration, it will begin to create expectations. So if God said this, then I'm expecting it to come to pass. If God declared it, I'm expecting you. you know, listen, if you got kids and you've ever made a promise, <laughs> they will, everybody, <laughs> they will not forget. Even if you don't, you remember when you were a kid, we're going to Kings Island tomorrow. <gasps> you remembered, right? Why? Because of a word spoken. And you got creative in your mind. You start imagining stuff. You was like, ooh, I'm going to get on the beast. I'm going to get on this. I'm going to do that, right? It creates expectations. So if God says, hey, you are, you are the head and not the tail, I expect that to be my end. Okay? Let me keep going. Number three, it sets the trajectory for your life. So it, it causes you or should cause you to begin to make decisions based upon what God said. I'm in a season right now where I am learning God completely different, uh, a, a, a different level of faith that is devoid of how I feel. It's a whole nother level. <laughs> All right. So, so it begins to set a trajectory for your life. And number four is it creates uh, relationship cultures. <laughs> so watch this. If you understand the, the, the nature of the word over your life, what will happen is you will become more discriminating with who and what you invest your time in. <sighs> Trying to be nice. Last night I did a Facebook Live. How many watched it? Okay, amen, praise God. Reject, rejection. Um, but I talked about... <laughs> But I talked about three ways to bless your life. And the, Keisha, was, you was on there. You, Keisha, man, you get some cookies. I, I, you tell Paul to make you some cookies, and I'll pay for them. Charge it to buy a gap. I'm serious. I'm serious. Anyway, no, but one of the things that really will help you is learning how to say no. Because when you understand who you are, the trajectory on your life, the call of God on your life. So talking about managing seasons, you can say, oh, I'm good. No, I can't make that event. No, I can't do that. I can't. I, you ha I have loaned you the last penny I had. You're so mean. No, I have a destiny. <laughs> it will create relationship cultures. Now, let's keep going. Talking about shifting, right? We're talking about shifting into these things. Now, listen, because again, we understand that life is seasonal. We have to understand that there are shifts that come with life. So, so you're not always going to be in a winter season. You're not always going to be in a summer season. You're not always going to be in a harvest season. You and I need to understand the shifts, all right? 
So I wrote a whole book about it. Uh, anyway, shameless plug. Shift. So it is a spiritual phenomenon in the reality of walking in new paradigms and freshly discovered purposes and the power of God. Okay, so that's what a shift is. It is a spiritual paradigm uh, uh, that, that, that or phenomenon rather that literally begins to change how you do life. Okay, why? So that you can discover the purposes and the power of God. Remember, the purpose of a season is to create the environment for God's design and power to be manifested. So God will employ shifts in your life, and you watch this. You will never outgrow shifts. Hopefully, let me say that. Let me, let me clarify. Because some people have. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That some, I shall not. I shall not be moved. <laughs> That's how we've always done it. Help us, Jesus. So you will, be, you will know, these are just some signs that you are in the shift, is when you, def, when you start to feel divine unrest. Can anybody attest to that? You know, praying for 10 minutes, just don't cut it no more. You're like, well, there's got to be more dissatisfaction. You ever been in that place where what satisfied you just don't cut it no more? Your, your appetite matures. You have urges for better and greater. Why can't I have better? Why do I have to settle? And you're craving for more revelation. These are signs that you are in a shift. Okay? And again, you never outgrow shifts. So so at this you might be in this plateau for five years. And then God says, Oh, oh mm -mm, time to shift. And then where you are here. He starts making it uncomfortable, and then you start feeling unrest, and you go, but there's got to be more. Okay? <sighs> so, again, the importance of knowing your season is that every, every season demands an appropriate response. Okay? Let's run through this very quickly. Uh, I don't know if I have it up here. All right. No, I don't. But just make note of this. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, talks about due season. Genesis chapter 18, verse number 10, talks about the time of life. And of course, Genesis 8 and 22, we kind of read that, deals with seed time and harvest. Okay? Proverbs 15 and 23, I love this verse. It says, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. As Proverbs 15 and 23, a word in season, how good it is. Have you ever been in a place, and I'm sure I'm not by myself, where you were like, I need a word. I, and not just not that you were chasing prophets. <laughs> you understand what I mean? But you just like, Lord, speak to me. I need something. And God just says, no. And that's all you needed. Or he says, be still. Or he says, pursue. Or he, say, or he gives you a sentence. But it says how good it is. Why? Because, there, because we, listen, because our spirit man is adjusted to the season that we should be in. 
And so because, because our soul is not always caught up with what our spirit man is doing, when God speaks, it, it, it realigns us and recalibrates us. And that's why it says how good it is, because sometimes he ever got a word you didn't know you needed, but you, you, know, you needed it when you got it. <laughs> like, man, I needed that. I didn't know I was on the struggle bus right there. Right. So that's why it's important to understand that there are words over our lives according to certain seasons. Listen, if what if God told you everything that was going to happen in your life in one day? <laughs> Do that again. Exactly. Oh, I'm good. Joseph, you, your brother's going to bow down before you. Oh, I'm going to be I'm going to be great. Uh, but I didn't tell you. <laughs> That you're going to be thrown into a pit. <laughs> I, can, I can handle the pit. Well, then there's also <laughs> Potiphar's house. I can serve. That's good. Well, then <laughs> they're going to lie on you. And you're going to start thinking like, well, <laughs> it's cool if they don't bow. I mean, <laughs> 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 I mean, we, you know, we brothers, you know, they don't need to bow. I'm good. So if God would have would told, just told, just dumped it all on you. We more than likely be like, I'm good. Right? So, so this is why we need to understand and, and go with the shifts of God. Because with every shift, with every season, there's grace for that. Okay? Now, what precipitates and initiates a change in your seasons? Number one is God. God will begin to initiate and, 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 and begin to cause there to be a shifting and a changing in seasons. This is, when, this is when you can't do anything about it. God just divinely says, I'm daddy God. I'm doing what I want to do in your life. Good, bad, or indifferent, however you want to define it. He will initiate these changes in our seasons. Why? Again, because he's already got a word over your life. And so he understands, he look, he's looking at your life panoramically. He knows the end from the beginning. And he says, okay, I know where I need you to be five years from now. So I'm going to do something. And he does not always tell you. <laughs> Amen. Y'all really quiet. Y'all came in. Thank you, Tiffany. Amen. God, God does that. He reserves the right to be God in your life. <laughs> Number two. Choices. Choices of who? You and sometimes what others have made. Choices initiate changes and shifts in our seasons. Choices. Good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, Deuteronomy says, I said before you life and death. Therefore, what? Choose life. I call heaven and earth into record. So he gives us a choice. I stand at the door and do what? I'm knocking in hopes that you will answer. So, there are, so the, our choices, brothers and sisters, can, can cause a, a, a shift in seasons. I remember when, uh, uh, when uh, Lady Lisa told, uh, told me that we were pregnant with Christopher. And it, it's, it's just a something, it, you, you just a shift change, just something in me changed. It's like, oh, and magically $400 appeared in my bank account. It's like, oh, <laughs> I stopped shopping. <laughs> I started saving. All of a sudden, just something just shifted in me, right? Choices. And then number three, unforeseen circumstances. 
not. <laughs> Sometimes shifts and changes are forced upon you. <laughs> Didn't ask for that, but mm. here we go. And so I'm talking to mature people, right? Because these are things that mature people have to deal with. And if we're going to be, again, get success out of seasons and our seasons are going to be profitable, we've got to be okay with these three things initiating and starting changes and shifts in our life. So that, what does that mean? That means particularly for the second one, that means I'm going to be auditing what choices am I making? Is this a good decision or is this a bad decision? Because this can cause a whole domino effect of seasonal shifts in my life. Should I marry this person? <laughs> Should I take this job? Should I go here? Should I go there? All right. So how do I begin recognizing the season that I'm in? So these are some questions you could, you, that you should ask yourself. What is being demanded of me the most? So if you are in the middle of a shift or a change and you're just like, okay, what's going on in my life? You can go, again, this is still the first month of the year. It seems like we've been in 18 for five months. That maybe, <laughs> good God, it's not even February yet, right? But we have to ask ourselves, what part of my anointing, my personality, my resources is being demanded of me the most? Because that is an indicator of the season that you're in. So if you are, if you find yourself, for an example, always having to be patient, <laughs> you're in a growing season. God is perfecting your patience. <laughs> There's a bucket about right. <laughs> Number two, can I rely on what I relied on in the past? Whew. Help us. I see y'all shaking y'all's head. Because that will help you to see what type of season am I in? Can, can, I, can I just default to what I was doing before? Or do I need something else? <laughs> How have my relationships shifted in this season? And then remember, that was part of the word of the Lord for this year, if y'all recall that. That relationships would be shifting and like puzzle pieces getting in order. How many, how many have, begin to see, have begun to see that? Amen. Wow. You just don't feel like talking to him this much. Not that you're mad. Not that you're angry. Not that you're falling out. Not, nothing negative. It's just, I'm good. Discern your season. Do I get the same satisfaction in doing X, Y, and Z as I did in the previous season? See, this again goes back to some of our defaults. Well, when I'm stressed, I always go shopping. Well, you, got, you get to the mall, you get your shirt, you blouse your shoes, your whatever, and you still feel stressed and depressed. It's time to evaluate what God is doing in my heart. Am I growing up? What is he trying to do in me? Do I get satisfaction out of the same things? Okay? These are important questions. Okay? Now, what we should not do. This is where 
you might want to get a bucket or two, okay? <laughs> so if we're going to successfully begin to manage the shifts in our seasons, I'm going to give you three things that you should not do. Let's go to Numbers chapter 11, please. Boom, boom, boom. Numbers chapter 11. Is this helping anybody so far? Good. What you should not do. Because remember, who, who initiates shifts and seasons? God, our choices, and unseen events. Okay? Numbers chapter 11, let's look at this. Uh, verse number 1 through 6, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, it says this. And the people did what? Did they did what? Complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the name of the place was called, uh, uh, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now the rabble uh, that was among them had a strange craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the garlics, the garlic. He says, but now our strength is dried up. There is nothing at all but this manna to look at. <laughs> what you don't do is complain. <laughs> now think about it. Y'all know the story, the history, the, the, the context of this. They were in Egypt for how long? 400 years. That's four centuries. Oh, we, we're, we're, we're just, oh, get us out of here. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. God raises up Moses and says, okay, I'm shifting your season. Okay, you've been in this season long enough. You've been slaves. You've been in bondage long enough. I've heard your cry. I've heard your prayer. I've raised somebody up to get you out of this. This is a God moment, right? So they're in the middle of their season. They're in the wilderness. This is a transition. They're right here. <laughs> they're on that black line. They're, they're crossing over into a new day. And then all of a sudden, they start complaining. And the Bible says that the Lord, in, in the Lord's hearing, now, that's, that's interesting language because we know that God is omnipresent and he hears everything. But he makes special note, it says, in the Lord's hearing. So what does that denote? That denotes that, they, that they were, where they should have been praising, they were complaining. When God was looking for thanksgiving and gratitude, they were saying, oh my God, man, I'm so tired of looking at this manna. Can we go back to Egypt? Man, we, I, listen. We had some fish, we had some garlic, we had some leeks. We need to go back. Listen, I, I learned how to make bricks without straw after the, the 50th time, so I'm good. Listen, I, hey, my back is numb from getting whipped. I can go back because I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm just updating it. But y'all know how we talk. Y'all know how we talk. I didn't come out here for this. So what, what is God doing? He... he, he oh. Help us here. But notice what number, uh, verse number four says, because I think this is very interesting. He says, now that the rabble there was among them had strong cravings. 
So, so listen, so when we are in those shifts, we have to be careful of our appetite. When we are, when we are, when God is, is, is putting us in a new place and a new realm, we've got to be careful about what satisfies us. I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, but for some of us, you know, when we get stressed, we run to the store and get chocolate or in my case, gummies. Had some today. Sorry, I was a little stressed. <laughs> but my point is, when we are in those moments of like, I don't know what's happening, and I just, we seek out comfort food, don't we? Naturally and spiritually. I haven't listened to a little Mary J in a long time. Don't act like you don't know who that is. <laughs> she was, who? Mary and Martha? What did I just <laughs> I'm just, I'm just being sick. But y'all, y'all feel me? Y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? We, 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 we tend to go back to the old ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See? I'm flowing and don't even know it. Are, are you hearing me? We start complaining. I, I just, uh I don't like this. It just, it sucks. But hold on. You pray for God to enlarge your territory. <sighs> no, no, no. You prayed for a better job. Now you, now you complain that you have to get up a little earlier? This doesn't make sense. You wanted to be married and you mad because her, her breath stank in the morning? Sir, that's a part of the back. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Because we, we tend to we, we, we get locked. Because uh, just get me out. I just want to be Okay, I'm going to start shifting some things. But it's human nature for us to start complaining. That's what you don't do. Okay, let's keep going. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. I'm still on complaining. That, so that's apostle. That's Old Testament. Okay, all right. I got your Old Testament. Look at what he says. For at verse uh, 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed to the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock which followed them, which is symbolic for Christ. That rock was Christ. Nevertheless, verse five. With most of them, God was not pleased, for they, over, they, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as what? Examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Now, pause. Let me show you this. Because saying, I want to go back and eat some food that I like, that's not evil. But let me broaden your definition of what evil is. Evil is anything contrary to God. Anything that is contrary to God's purposes and that, that opposes what God wants in your life, that's evil. I don't know about that. Okay, well, let's, let's just keep reading. Because remember what happened in Numbers chapter 14 when he sent out the spies, right? Right? Each uh, uh, one, uh, one elder from each tribe, right? The Bible says 10 came back with a what? An evil report. All they did was state the facts. Y'all missed it. There's giants in the land. It flows with milk and honey. 
We can't do it. They're bigger than us. Hold on. But God said, this is our land. I'm not being evil. I'm just telling you what I saw. If it is contrary to what God said in your life, it's evil. Oh, it's, it's tight, but it's right, y'all. And this is what we don't want to do is find ourselves complaining. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 7. Uh, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. <laughs> it says we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day and must not uh, put Christ to the test or tempt him as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer which literally translates into uh, an angel of death. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our what? Instructions on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let, no, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is what? faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability listen we talked about this a few weeks ago if y'all remember this but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to what endure it we always kind of crane lift that verse out of there but the context was looking at the example of the children of israel who in the middle of their shiftings and in the, in their season, they're grumbling, they're complaining, I want to go back, oh, I hate this. And he says, listen, guys, he said, this was an example to us and instructions for us not to do what they did. Well, what do I do when I'm tempted? God will wet with the temptation. He says he's going to remove it. Oh, God. With the temptation will provide also a way of escape, not that you can run from it, but can what? Bear it or endure it. Like God's not going to take away, I think I said this a few months ago, because this is a really good reminder. If you, for an example, struggle with alcohol, he's not going to shut down every bar. <laughs> he's not going to magically make all men and women ugly because you can't control your flesh. Oh, you're ugly all of a sudden. No, he says, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the grace to endure it. It's not fair. No, 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 there's grace for that. Because I, I'm not interested in raising up brats. <laughs> I need you to be like me. I need you to be able to endure temptation. I need you to be able to function. And, and, and listen, without doing what? Complaining. <laughs> Get a bucket. Number two, what we should not do is faint. When we are shifting in seasons, what we don't do is faint. Amen, somebody. Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, it says, Let no one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever one does what? Sows that we also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap Flesh, uh, uh, so his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit 
will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Verse 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good or doing well, for in what? Due season, is the Greek word kairos there. We will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we do not faint when we are doing well. When we are in the middle of shifting, in the middle of seasons, and when you, get, you can't quite figure out what's going on in your life, what you don't do is faint. That, that, that word in the Greek literally means to be sunken down. Or it, it literally means to be relaxed. And you know what that, you know, huh. well, it is what it is. See, it gets, it gets to that attitude. I can't do nothing about it anyway. I, you know, I'm just going through. Yeah. No, you're fainting. <laughs> because you, you're getting relaxed. You're not standing. You're not doing what God has told you to do in the middle of that. that what we do is we, we don't faint. Why? Because he says we're going to reap if we do what? Faint not. Watch this. You know when people say like, it's my season. It's time for harvest. Oh, Just as you were out there in the field planting seed, guess what? You got to get right back there in the field and harvest what you planted. Yeah, okay. So it's easy to do this, isn't it? <laughs> planting seed. Whew. I got seed. Putting it in the ground. Woo, I believe God. Whoa. Okay. But harvest is coming. And guess what you got to do now? Get some sickles out. Get some baskets, get some bushels. You understand what I'm saying? There's work involved. So he's saying you're not going to walk in, your, in, in, the, in, the, in the harvest or the reaping season if you're fainting. Just think about that for a moment. You were excited when you were sowing, but then God says, hey, it's time to harvest. Oh, never mind, you fainted. Yeah. <laughs> no, we cannot faint in doing well. Because we're going to reap in that Kairos moment. We're going to reap if we do not faint. And so the reaping, brothers and sisters, is being able to cross over into a new day. The reaping is another layer of your destiny being unfolded. The reaping is coming into that what God declared over your life coming to past. Amen, somebody. So, so we've got to keep that in the forefront of our mind. We can't complain and we can't faint, even though we want to sometimes. That's what we don't do. Number three, what we don't do is we do not respond in unbelief. Now, we talked about this, uh, I think, last month, I believe, about the differences between unbelief and doubt. Who remembers the difference? What is the difference? Right. Absolutely. So unbelief prevents you from grabbing what God has for you. But doubt says, hey, are you sure that's for you? You grabbed it, but are you sure it's going to come to pass? That's doubt. So what we don't do is we don't respond in unbelief. Let's look at this. Luke chapter one. I, I love this because this is so good, because what you're going to see is a, a changing of the guard. There's literally a shift in paradigms. That is happening here. But watch what God does. Listen, uh, uh, Luke chapter one, beginning of verse number five says this. 
In the days of, oh, I got a little bit of time, good. In the days of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Adjaniah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Verse 7. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of his priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now, pause. Now, listen, he's doing the right thing at the right time at the right place. He was, it's his turn to serve in the temple. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Watch this. God's about to change some things. He's, he's about to do what? Release a word. Okay? Hope you begin to, beginning to see the continuity here. Uh, and so it appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. Verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Skirt! What? He's supposed to be Zachy Jr. What do you mean you're going to call his name John? And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will, uh, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. That doesn't sound like priestly duties. Hmm. But Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the, angels, and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Now, okay, I'm not Gabriel. I would have got an attitude. I'm just being honest. I'm like, dude, I just showed up and told you all this, and you're going to be like, it can't happen. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Does this happen to you every day, Zacharias? I mean, do you talk to angels face to face on the daily? I mean, come on. What do you mean? I just came out here for the health of it? I mean, I needed something to do, so I just came down here to talk to you and just give you a fake prophecy? I'm sorry. That, that just <laughs> I would have been petty. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Bye. God, I, I delivered. He said, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> There would be no Christ. There, there would be no John. I, he didn't believe. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, where did we go? Uh, help me, Jesus. Thank you. Uh, and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you with this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Why? Because you did not what? Because you did not believe my words. 
which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, uh, and, he, <laughs> and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Why are you laughing at the man? She over here cracking up. Now, okay, what is God doing here? All jokes aside, what is he doing? God is saying, okay, timeline of Israel. I'm going to be releasing Jesus. I'm going to use John as a prophet, his cousin, to be a forerunner for him. So... I'm going to send a special delivery, a rhema visitation from the angel who stands at my altar to Zacharias. Because this is such big news. Can you go run and get my computer, please? I didn't put everything I needed on my tablet. So so listen, so I'm going to send this special delivery to Zacharias so that he will know this is from the Lord. Because I'm about to break the mold. I'm about to shift paradigms. I'm about to change this whole thing up. Zacharias says, I'm too old. How can this be? My wife, we're both old. Now, here's the thing that that just, now this is me. Here's the thing that would have ticked me off. You're, You're a priest and you have no recollection of Abraham? Shouldn't have that kind of triggered some faith in you? Like, hey. This happened in the Old Testament. Thank you. Maybe, maybe it'll happen for, for Elizabeth and I. But what did God do? He said, you know what? I'll tell you what. You just be quiet until John gets here. Boop. Y'all seen that movie? Uh, what's the name of that movie? Yes. Click. Y'all seen that movie Click? We had the remote control. I love that movie. He could just make things happen. Some of y'all seen it? Yeah. He said, oh, okay. So just imagine people are standing outside the temple. And like, man, what's taking Zacharias so long? He in there getting, <laughs> getting blessed. What is the point here? So when we are in the middle of our shifts, when God is changing our paradigms, I never heard that before. Well, great. God's trying to reveal something to you. Don't respond in unbelief because your unbelief can forfeit and hinder what God is trying to do in your life. Remember we talked about this, I think, the first time because, you know, what what we do is we have a tendency, I need confirmation. Well, do you know his voice? Didn't didn't it run to Jesus' tomb? Jesus was raised from the dead. Well, he came up and said, well, didn't he tell you? They was going to be raised from the dead on the third day? Yeah. So then why are you astonished, Thomas? Touch me. Feel me. I'm here. I'm in the flesh. And see, this is one of the things, thank you, Holy Ghost, that sabotages our successful shifting is our our unbelief. This can't happen to me. God can't do it. I mean, I know he's God, but me? Because we have to understand that that word over your life it's not about you. Amen. Oh, Jesus. It's, it's about you, but it's not. It, it, it's, it's, it's God using you in the, in, in, the, in the history of the world. 
So he's not looking for you to give you his resume. Give me your resume before I use you. Well, Lord, I've only lied a hundred times by the age of 10. No, no, no. He's not. No, It's, it's a matter of grace. Paul said, I am what I am by the what? By the grace of God. So I'm not standing up here because I'm flawless. So, so when God is shifting our seasons, we should never respond in unbelief, particularly when an angel is standing in your face and saying, God's going to do X, Y, and Z in your life. Not me. I'm going to put you on mute. Because I don't need you opening up your mouth, coming out of agreement with what my word is over your life. Oh, Jesus. See, and this is why we feel like, I can't get a prayer through. You know why? God shuts the heavens over your life. You said, you know, just be quiet because I'm working on something and I can't, I can't just, you're distracting me. Just be quiet. Okay, I know I'm in the house right there. I felt that. See, we got, we got to, we got to see this because when God is shifting us, we, because one of the things that literally stops God moving is our unbelief. Okay, I'll prove it to you. The Bible says that Jesus can do no many works because of what? Their, not his power. Their unbelief. He said, I I would do so much more in your life, but you don't believe I can do it. Yes, ma'am. Come on. He's not forfeiting and he's not taking it back because of things we do wrong. You know? I mean, he he gave us this to manage. He did. And so with him cursing this thing, it could could potentially cause, like he said, the shift, everything would have been... Right. He said, listen, this this thing is too important. I need you to, you know what, just... Come on. Right. Think about it. What if he would have went to Elizabeth and was like, I had this crazy experience in the temple. You wouldn't believe it. The angel came to me and said, you and I was going to be pregnant. And I've been praying for that. And what did you say to the angel? I said he was stupid. He was wrong. I didn't believe it. Numbskull. Right. Come on. Come on. Yes. What are you going to say? No. Oh, okay. So, so, so are, are y'all hearing this tonight? So, because watch this and watch this. So just imagine you're a priest and for nine months you can't even say a word. I just want to preach. <laughs> He's doing motion. If that's what they say, he was doing signs. It's the Bible, isn't it? He said it was giving them signs. Yeah. (laughs) Pray for Jesus, help him. But 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 how many times has God put us on mute? How how many times? And I told you, I I confess this. I said, you know, that year, 2012, 11. Oh my God. 
I was so tempted to do so much stuff, and I knew if I would have come into agreement with it and said, I'm done, I'm through, then I probably would have literally been done and through. But I literally, God had to activate shut mouth grace. Just be quiet. You don't know what I'm doing. Hush. I already told you I was shifting your season. You, ha- you must go through Samaria. And I don't like it. Be quiet. Because you are made in my image, you're made in my likeness, and you keep talking, you're creating something. You're creating fear. You're creating an environment. You're creating, I told y'all Sunday, that the voice that you hear, listen to outside of the voice of the Holy Spirit is most, is your own. And the dialogue in your own head. This don't make no sense. I don't understand. How can I have a kid? I'm 95 years old. She, she done. We tried to have kids. I don't know. And here's the bad part about it. He had been praying for it. <laughs> He said, God heard your prayers. Same thing with the children of Israel. Give us, get it, give us free, <laughs> right? Get us out of here. And God raises up Moses, and all of a sudden they go, we want to go back to Egypt. No, I heard your prayer. But somebody forgot to tell you that I'm shifting you into maturity too. You Listen, oh, God has to prepare you for the place that he's taking you to. And, and that transitional season is part of, of the process. You, you can't, you can't, you, there's no such thing as overnight successes in the kingdom. It may look like that on the outside, but you don't know that Moses was on the backside of the mountain for 40 years by himself. Getting used to God. Here's John the Baptist who was in the wilderness doing what? Crying in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord by himself. He, he, that's, called, that's called the season of the test of echoes. When it's the only voice you hear is your own. <laughs> but, but watch. But he was setting them up for their stage and their platform. They wasn't, it wasn't ready yet. <laughs> if I set you up now, your voice will only go two feet in front of you. <laughs> so you've got to get confident you've got to get strong in your own voice you've got to know who you are and then the time will be right for your voice to be set this, is, listen this principle is transferable to marriages to careers to finance listen you've got to, we've got to learn how to endure those seasons and we cannot respond in unbelief has not, and, and why, here's the other piece I take from this before we keep going. But watch this. He says, I heard your prayer. Now, listen, if it was some of us, an angel appeared, we would have been falling out, speaking in tongues, rolling on the floor, having all, right, we would have done all this stuff. Here, listen, what am I saying? God heard his prayer, and here's his prayer literally being answered, and he didn't feel all this joy, did he? Oh, thank you, Jesus. My prayer has been answered. He didn't do, no, 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 no. What am I saying? See, faith moves you beyond feelings. And you've got to know that God is hearing you when you don't feel anything. (laughs) Sometimes the answer to your prayer comes very subtly. I'm going to keep going. Now that I'm sufficiently depressed, apostle, what I shouldn't do. Can't complain. I can't. Do. All right, well, I'll tell you what you should do. <laughs> Stand. Ephesians chapter 6. 
all of us know this. 10 through 16. Finally, be strong in your education and in the strength of your heritage. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Oh, it's the cold air. I can't read. I can't see. I'm sorry. Finally, be strong in the what? Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers. Uh, should I say this tonight? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, against authorities, against cosmic powers over present darkness, against the spiritual for forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Standing, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, putting, uh, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I'm sorry, I, I'm starting to read the ESV and I'm used to King James and it just... <laughs> <laughs> I sound like I don't know what, how to read. I know how to read. I'm sorry. And, all, <laughs> and above all, take a shoe with the shield of faith. All right, just had to get that out. Uh, with, you may be able to uh, extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Now, listen, watch this. He says, be strong in what? Not in your strength. I can't help this. I'm going through it. Be strong in the Lord. Not in your understanding. <laughs> God's got me. There's a word over my life. He will perfect that which concerns me. I don't understand it, but he understands it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Putting on the whole armor of God that you might be able to fight against the schemes of the devil. That's not what it says. Stand against the schemes of the devil. So I'm putting on armor to do what? To stand. <laughs> the way that our bodies are set up, you don't have eyes in the back of your head. <laughs> your toes face in front of you. Your ears, are, most ears, kind of do like this, right? <laughs> it's hard. You, <laughs> my point is, we are supposed to be moving what? Forward. We look forward. We see forward. So we sink. That, that word uh, put on literally means to sink into. You sink into the armor of God. Which, can I just bust this up real quick? I just... You don't have to put it on every day <laughs> if it's on you because it doesn't come off for you at night. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to shift kind of our, our paradigm a little bit because, because, you know, and I'm not trying, I am trying to be funny so you can receive it. But what I'm, what I'm really trying to get at is that we have to, again, understand that what? There is a narrative. There is a word over my life. And if we start back here, whatever is up in front of us has to be overcome because I already know back, back here, I've got to get to Elder Mario. So I might have to go like this and might have to 
zig a little bit and zag and get confused and, and go through all this other stuff and march around seven times and not some, but this can't be it. So whatever part of the process I'm in, whatever season I'm shifting into, I can stand firm in knowing my end is way down there. And I'm going to reach that end irrespective of how I feel about anything on any given day. So what do I have to do? Stand. I just got to stand. I got to stand. Say, say that. Say, I got to stand. You got to stand. You got to put on the, the armor of God and stand. Not fight. Stand. Because he says in Ephesians chapter 4, you resist the devil, he'll do what? He'll flee from you. You know, so we, ooh, ha, ooh, ha, ooh, ha. no, stand. I have the, the breastplate of righteousness, my, the helmet of salvation, the loin belt of truth. I know who I am. You understand what I'm saying? So, so when we are in those shifts, we're in those seasons and in, in, in those places of uncertainty, we have to just stand. All right, let me keep going. Oh, time's running around. Number two, what do we do in shifts? We get wise counsel. I'm not going to read all of it, but I want you to turn and, and make note of uh, uh, Acts chapter 15. We're not going to read all of it. Uh, make note of Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through actually the whole chapter, but specifically chapter uh, 15, verses 1 through 29. Because there's a warning in here as well. Uh, we're going to read, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then just kind of pick it up from there. Acts chapter 15 says this, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no little dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to to Jerusalem, to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail, listen, the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. Verse 4, when they had come to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they, and they declared all that God had done with them. Here it is, verse 5, pay attention. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. <laughs> so do you see what's happening here? So God has released the Holy Spirit to the church. Gentiles are receiving the Holy Spirit. People are being saved. All nations are, are coming to Christ. And then you have the Pharisees. Uh, no. They need to be circumcised like everybody else. See, here's the warning. You're going to have people that pop up in the middle of your transition and in, in your season who will try to keep you in your past. <laughs> Listen, because what was happening? The church was doing what? Shifting. The fulfillment of what God was saying was coming to past. He says, listen, the promise is unto you and your children and your children's children and to what? All those who are what? Afar off. 
Joel prophesied that, you know, uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit was going to be coming. So then when it comes, this is great. Send them to the different regions. This is happening. This is awesome. This is amazing. Uh, no, they need to be circumcised. No, listen, when you are shifting, you are always going to come up against voices that will try to keep you in your past. Hear me. It's familiarity. It's people who don't see what you see, who didn't hear what you heard, don't feel what you feel. And look at what happened here. Verse 6, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider the matter. Verse 7, and after they had done much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he has made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that need Neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear, verse 11, but we believe that we all, that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ just as they will. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying, look, what are y'all talking about? Don't y'all remember the day of Pentecost when I preached and thousands of souls were added to the church? See, and this is that prophetic word. Listen, I don't know who this is for, because listen, we've got to be able to recall what God did in our past. When people start saying, you can't do that, that, then what are you talking about? When you are in the middle of shifting into your destiny and moving into the place that God has for you, you've got to begin to be bold to open your mouth uh, to mama, them, your best friend, whoever is trying to keep you locked in your past. Because your destiny is more important than their comfort level with you. I just said something. Listen, you you, you don't owe anybody anything oh no man nothing but to what love him (laughs) i'm just listen i'm just trying and listen people who are mature can go with your shift they they may say you know what i don't i don't quite understand it but i love you i don't i don't i don't necessarily agree with that because i don't see it like that but guess what you my covenant brother you my covenant sister i know your heart i i know what you're trying to do i don't get it but you know what i got your back and those are the types of people you want to take with you into your next season. But some people can't see what God said. And you've got to be able to stand up and, and, and be able to stand and say, no, this is what God said. This is the season over my life. This is where I'm going. You've got to be able to do that. And it's hard sometimes. That's why I said put on the, 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 the armor of the Lord. But, but notice what happens here. I'm not going to read it all because my time is going away. But I want you to read uh, the, the rest of that, and let me just give you a summation of what's happening here. So when the apostles stood up and they began to consider what God was doing, they came to an, to an agreement. They, they didn't consult the Pharisees. <laughs> they didn't consult the self-righteous. They said, we're going to go with God. And so when you are getting counsel, get counsel that is wise enough to be able to discern what God is doing. That's wise counsel. Wise counsel isn't simply, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Wise counsel means that, you remember, we talked about this a few months ago in the, in the wisdom series, that wisdom what? It speaks. 
And it's one of God's oldest employees to walk with us throughout life. So if God is doing something and releasing you into a new season, you need some wisdom in your life to help you get to the next level. It's okay to say, I don't know everything. You're you're further than me in this particular area. Show me some things. That's wisdom. That's maturity. So what they did was they came together and we said, you know what? No, this is a move of God. So they got counsel. They ignored what the Pharisees said and said, no, God is doing something in this season. God is shifting. God is saving. God is moving. And we are not going to be married to the past. Ugh. Starting to feel my Sunday morning. Glory to God. Let's lift up a praise right there. Come on, y'all. Father, we bless your name. Hallelujah. We come out of agreement with, with the old narrative over our life. Father, we thank you right now that you are helping us You're helping us to be able to discern counsel and wisdom in the middle of our shifting. Father, we thank you that you are raising up people in our lives who can speak direction and speak what God is saying. Oh, God. We're coming into agreement so that we can shift successfully in that season. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Now I'm about to get really get excited. This third one is, oh, whew. let me calm down. Listen, the third one is go and build an altar. Hmm. Go and build an altar. What we don't do, we don't complain. <laughs> Glory to God. What's the second one we don't do? We don't faint. And we don't, what, respond in unbelief. But what we do do is we stand, we get wise counsel, and we go and build an altar. Glory to God. Look at this. Uh, uh, Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 8. Look at this. The Bible says this. And, And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Where am I going? To the land that I will show you. What's the name of it? Go! Where am I going? To the land that I will show you. It's that prophetic compass. See, it's that word of the Lord. It's that, listen, it's that same knowing that he knew it was God talking to him is going to come up and show him again where to go. Glory to his name. He said, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went. I loved it. Those three words right there. I can stay right there. So Abraham went. He didn't say, but God, what about my wife and my kids and my and all the stuff? No, Abraham went. If you're going to successfully shift, you've got to go. You can't just stay there. You can't be stagnant because, again, that standing isn't necessarily a physical standing as much as it is an emotional, spiritual, resolute standing. I'm standing on the word of the Lord. And so if he gives me instructions to go, I've got to go. But not only go, but watch this. He went as, as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took 
his wife Sarai and Lot his brother's son and all of their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran and they set out to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the plate of the land of Canaan, Abram passed to the land of the place of, at Shechem to the oak of Moriah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give you this land. So he built there a what? And the Lord had appeared to him. What is an altar? It is a place of sacrifice. So when you are shifting and God has given you instructions, you've got to be obedient and begin to sacrifice something. What am I sacrificing? Comfort. What am I sacrificing? My father's house. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you never talk to your dad. What he's saying is you leave your father's influence. That's what that means. You leave your father's gods because Abraham's father was an idol worshiping God. They worship the moon and the stars. He said, listen, I'm bringing you into covenant and relationship. I'm shifting your season. You're 75 years old. You're barren. Your wife, can't, y'all can't get nothing going on. You're, you're frustrated. You're stuck. I need you to literally get out of the place you're in and go. And while you're going physically, I need you to come out of agreement with those soul ties that you were in when you're past. Talking about successfully managing your, not just going through the motions, but successfully putting your whole self into it. Am I talking to anybody tonight? We've, we've got to do this. Can I just use your example real quick? A Sunday, uh, Elder Paul was sitting, we were sitting back there after service, and I was dog tired. And he was, I'm just going to condense this. He said the Lord had given him, I'm paraphrasing, given him an, an epiphany. He said, I gave my all at this ministry. I gave my all at this ministry. And then he said the Lord asked him a question and challenged him and was like, why wouldn't you give your all at the place where the man of God helped save your marriage? You got real quiet right there. Am I right? Amen. He's sitting right there. What, what is the point? It's not enough just to say, I go here. It's not enough to say, I obeyed God. It's not enough just to go through the motions. He was telling Abraham, you've got to go, and when you go, you've got to build an altar. God, help me to say this. You, you've, got to, you've got to create a moment. That's what an altar is for. Because whenever they would pass by, they would be reminded, this is the place where I killed Isaac. This was the place that God showed up. This is the place where God provided because these things are a memorial. This is a place where I sacrificed something. So I now know something about God, listen, that I didn't know before until I sacrificed. Oh, God. You're not going to be successful in shifting into the season that God has for you until you posture your heart into a place of sacrifice. We serve, listen, we serve an all or nothing God. You, you, there, there is no straddling the fence. See, I, I, I've come full circle. Stop living your life on the black line. <laughs> He's trying to shift you into a new day. And you're not going to get into your new day until you make some definitive decisions to go and to sacrifice and build an altar in the place that God is taking you into. Ten minutes over. Are there any questions? <laughs>
Yes, sir. I, I think that the challenge with, with the season is, I think it's come down like the investment in the old season. Come on. It is, but, but the way that you, you, you start to get over that is you've got to see your future more valuable than your past. I left it, and see, and that's the thing. God is, and I'm, I, I know I always say this, but God is smarter than us. And if he, if he says, look, I need you to leave that, Jesus said it like this. No man having left father, mother, and children won't get double in this life. So it says, I know the desires of your heart. I've already mapped out your life. I need to know, will you trust me enough to let go of what you hold so dear? Is it more important for you to, to, to hold on to that investment? But God, I did this and I did that. And because I, we all, I, 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 listen, we'll be here till 10 o'clock. I've, I've been there, but I spent so much time doing this. And that. do you want what I have for you or do you want to just relish in the glory days? How do you answer that? Well, I, I want to rush in the glory days. Okay, well then stay there and be frustrated. I shall not, I shall not be moved. I. But you're right. And we got to get to, that's why it's a sacrifice. It costs you something. Yes, sir. Get a job, they have a drawing, I want a 50 inch TV. <laughs> <laughs> but I want my 42 inch! <laughs> Just, I, but if I'm, if I'm holding on to that, right. I'd have missed out on this. And much more. A wife? Yeah. A kid? Yeah. Cookies? <laughs> oh, by the way, I told Prophet Keisha to order some cookies, and it's on me. Yeah, yeah, I said that, didn't I? <laughs> Any other questions or comments? Yeah, cookies, yeah. Leave the 42. <laughs> Any other comments or questions? Yes, ma'am. Good. Oh. <laughs> because it really is, it speaks to the value system. What are you going to value? 
the garlics, the leeks, the fish, and the bondage. <laughs> or, or the manna and the freedom. <laughs> because, man, you know what the word manna means? It means what is it? Because they couldn't define it. Because they, 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 they would say that it took on the taste, like tofu, take on the taste of whatever it is that you... So how, it's like, how were you going to define it in the middle of your season? <laughs> how were you going to define it? Because, because you're in, because listen, we go back to the complaining, because what did Moses do in the, in the following chapters and numbers? He's like, I'm suicidal. He's like, did I give birth to all these people? They, they are wearing me out. And God said to Moses, dude, listen. They're not complaining against you. It's me. Well, can you tell them to shut <laughs> Right? So it, 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 it's a matter of how are you going? What is your value system? In the middle of that, it hurts. And see, and it's a test. It was even a test for Moses. Because he got so frustrated. What was he doing? Hitting rocks and suicidal and wanting to die. And I'm, I'm out of here. And he missed out on the promised land because he was looking at people. <laughs> you don't get frustrated in your season. Don't get frustrated in your shift because you can get bitterness of heart. They should have been with me. And trust me, I have been there. You listen, I'm, I'm going to just say this. I just been wanting to say this. So please forgive me. Y'all people talk about church. People talk about church hurt, but ain't no church hurt that pastors experience. You give your time, money, energy, effort, sacrifice, anointing, sweat, tears, and people just be doing the most, or maybe I should I say the least. I'm not trying to be funny, but my point is, it go whatever, whoever you are, there is temptations and there is issues that you have to overcome. So here's Moses, oh, pop, pop, here's your freaking water. And God's like, man, listen, because you did not sanctify me in the eyes of the people, you made me look bad in front of them. I'm going to let you see it, but you can't possess it. <laughs> yeah, I got you hitting the rock, doctor, because that rock was representing Christ. You're misrepresenting me by letting people get to you. Got to be careful in those shifts. Got to be careful in those transitions. Any other questions or comments? Everybody's quiet now. All right. Let's stand up. Did you, were you raising your hand? Oh, that was a eye itch. Yeah, eye itches. <laughs> All right, let's stand up.